everybody. Welcome back to Fundamentalists. I'm Faiza. I'm Mac. And today we're super excited to have, be joined by Shema, who is the beauty editor for Branded at Bustle Digital Group, and she hosts a weekly IG live series called Quarantine. Um, and Shema's actually a an old friend. Um, we we did an episode with her years ago. Um, so if you want to flash She's back. She's our second repeat guest. So I yes. guess this means we're like official. We're official super now. legit. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to turn it over to Shema for, um, to introduce yourself and tell um, our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So thanks for having me. It's so cool doing this five years later. I think you guys should do that for all your guests. Just see where they're at. If they're like on like a street corner. Just to check in. Where are they now? <laughs> doing something with their lives. No. Um, so as you said, I'm the beauty editor for Branded at Bustle Digital Group. Um, I have a mostly editorial background, but now I'm doing more content strategy for beauty clients at our publication. Um, I've worked at Marie Claire, Allure, when I last saw you guys, um, I freelanced at Vogue and um, Harper's Bazaar kind of ran the gamut. But right now I'm doing more um, content strategy kind of projects. So that's me. And then also my IG live quarantine is a 10 question only series that I started. I don't, I called it a flash series because I thought it would just be for like a limited time, but it's same been, here. <laughs> I know. I thought it'd be, <laughs> I'd be in quarantine for two weeks, right? Let's do this thing. And and now it's been, you know, what, four months, five months. I don't even know. I don't remember. It, yeah. I think going on six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in it's September, it'll be six, which is insane to think about. Yeah, so it's giving me a lot of time to interview a lot of amazing people, and I do it 10 questions only on IG Live. So Shai, you've lived in a bunch of different cities. Where are you now for our listeners? So right now I live in the Dirty Jers. I work in New York City, and I since I saw you guys- I didn't know you were in Jersey. I thought you were in New York. Uh, no, I still work in New York. My office is in Gramercy. Well, I haven't seen my office in a while, but <laughs> that's where it is. What, what happened? I saw your you office is in your bedroom. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right after I saw you guys five years ago, I had just moved to Dubai. I was there for a year and then I moved back. Sorry about that. Um, I moved back and uh, moved to LA to be the editorial director at BeautyCon um, and did a couple things over there, then moved back got married, live in Jersey, work in New York. It's been my journey. Yeah. What's your what favorite city? New York. <laughs> you really? Have to, you have to leave New York. You know, when you're in New York, I feel like everyone has that point where they have that LA itch and that let's do, let's, let me do something else itch, you know, and I was in ten, New York for 10 years before I, I felt that way. And I appreciate, like, all the places I live for different reasons, but I feel like New York, for all the things that it's not, like, it's, you know, people will say, like, oh, it's dirty, there's not a lot of space, it has amazing food and people and energy that you really just can't find anywhere else, you know? Like, I liked LA for what it gave you health-wise, you could go out, you could experience, like, I had volleyball Sundays every day at the beach, or every Sunday at the beach, and that you just can't do in New York, but I don't know, I just miss the people. There's something to be said about the people and the grit of people who work in New York, you know? Yeah. I think my I scratched my LA itch because um, my last job, I had to fly out there a lot. And I feel like what I ended up appreciating so much more about New York was the grit. Like, it's on the surface. The, the gross griminess, it's there. Whereas LA, it just felt like there was a facade. And just under the surface, there's this, like, gross, like... It just, yeah, it made me, it was just like, there's too much sunshine and it's hiding something. Whereas New York is just like, you got, you, it is what it is, you know, right from the get. Yeah. So I never got the LA itch because I'm not hot enough, but I do feel like after I moved to Albany, after getting married, I remember I was still like working or my employer was still in New York City. Um, and I would still have to go back down for meetings and stuff. And I was so excited. I think my first meeting in the city was like two or three months after I moved up. And I was so excited because I was like, Albany sucks. I can't wait to get back to the city. And I went back to the city for literally one day and one night. 
And I came back with a migraine and I was like, I don't know why everybody walks so damn fast and my coffee costs $9. I just want to go to my quiet, sleepy little town where there's no traffic and no three-piece suits and everybody just walks at a normal pace and life is okay and nothing is stressful. So I feel like I grew out of like the New York, I lost my New York grit. Yeah. Hella quick. Hella quick. It's funny because I feel like whenever you don't live in uh, New York, you you feel that that um what is the word it's just like this weight wherever you go like oh I have to do this and you can't just have a place to relax so when you don't live in New York and you visit it is kind of overwhelming and I feel that way too now when I go back um but in terms of LA I when I was there I was like why do people even compare this is so different it's not even any anything at all alike that I just don't I don't understand why people compare it you know what I mean it's, yeah, it's like apples to oranges. It doesn't, you you just can't. Like, you can't. it is, well, that's why we brought you on to talk about how much better New York is than every other city. Um, I, but I do, I want to get back to, um, you mentioned quarantine, and I'd love to know why exactly you wanted to do something like that. And just like a little bit more about the evolution of the series, like who you interview, why you interview them, and how that's Why changed. you haven't asked me or Fiza to be... <laughs> On your series? You know us with our amazing social media following. Yeah, no. So I, there, there's a lot of questions there. But I, okay, to start with quarantine, um, you know, obviously quarantine had just started. And it was a great pause because all of a sudden you have, you're saving commuting time and you're at home and you're, you have a lot more time, right? So I was still working from home and everything. But, you know, there was one night in particular that, um I was up and I was just thinking and, you know, since I left New York, I felt like I spent 10 years cultivating this identity for myself, right? I was the brown girl who was the editor and I was doing it and there wasn't a lot of people like me doing it and I had Beauty and the Feast and that was Shema and she started this cool, like, you know, beauty and food blog. Like, people knew me for that. I feel like I went to Dubai and LA and all these places and started working for other people and doing other things and I lost myself in it, right? I felt like I had to reintroduce myself to people all of a sudden, like all of a sudden people just didn't know what I did or why I did it. And then it wasn't so much of an egotistical thing. How long you'd been doing it. Like you've been in the game, like you said, for a very, very, very long time before a lot of these brands started before a lot of this stuff even came on the scene. Like before even influencers were a thing, I was doing campaigns with Olay because of Beauty and the Feast and, you know, other things. And it was crazy because since then there was a social media boom and, uh, you know, so many things have changed. There was influencers, like hardcore influencers that are doing it for their job and whatnot. So there was this part of me that was like, it was literally like a Zoolander moment. Like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? You know, I'm working at, I had this job that I was really liking. Um, it was completely different. Like I, like I said, I do content strategy now, which is different. Um, but I was kind of like, what did I love to do in those 10 years? Like, what did I love to do when I felt the most me? And honestly, it was interviewing people. Talking to people was one of my favorite things to do besides the writing, you know? And at the same time, when quarantine started, I don't know if you guys remember, like IG Live was booming and I had no idea why. Yeah. Like, I mean, you get it. People are bored and they're just going on live. Even people who didn't have a following, like my friends were going on live. And I'm just like, what the hell am I going to do on live? Like, I want to use it. I want to understand it. But I'm so afraid to go on live. That is a scary place to be, right? And I would hop in and out of different people's lives. I'm like, what are they doing? I don't know what they're doing. Like, what are they talking about? There's no context, all this stuff. And I'm a very, I remember, and I might've said this in your old podcast, I don't know, but one lesson I learned from Shop Etc. when I was working there, which is a Hearst publication, it was a competitor of Lucky at the time, it had just uh, launched when I joined, was they were, one thing that was going for them was they were very clear about what they're about. They were a shopping magazine and their name was Shop Etc. And I remember learning like, whatever you do, it has to be clear what you're doing, right? So people, it's just like, kind of gives you an edge if you are a little bit more clear in this whole like, fuzzy world of what's out there. So I love puns. Everyone knows me, knows I love a good pun. Uh, So I thought of the, quarantine just came up, came in my mind. I'm like, what if I do, and, and I was thinking like, what is 10? Is it like a 10 minute interview? Is it 10 questions? Is it 10 people at a time? I don't know. And and I just had this idea of like, why don't I do an abbreviated interview? So when people start to understand what it is, a 10 question only, whenever they hop in, they know exactly what they're getting. They know it's a limited time. They know it's one person, like kind of 
you know, all these, like 10 questions only. And then I started making a list of people I know, just people that I've connected with. And I'm like, let me see if they will even like this idea. And I remember one of the first people I messaged was um, like, and it was three o'clock in the morning here. So it was one, maybe 1am in California was Tamanna of Dress Your Face, who like is a good friend of mine. And, you know, obviously she has a great following and, you know, busy mom, all that stuff. But I'm like, let me just see what she thinks if this is stupid. So I messaged her. I'm like, yo, this is kind of out there. What do you think about this? Would you want to even be on something like this? She's like, absolutely. So I think that gave me the confidence. And then everyone else I asked said yes. And then it went on from there. And 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 I guess the beginning list of women were people I just connected with who were doing something cool in the beauty space. And then and that just happened to be a lot of brown girls. I didn't think of it as being like, oh, this is going to be for the brown girls. Um, but I do feel like minorities in general, I, like whenever I could give them some sort of platform, I will. And um, it's funny because the first interview I did, you have so nervous. I, I, I remember I put like, I wrote, the, I had this idea like, okay, whenever, if anyone jumps into the interview, they should know exactly where I'm at. So I had post-it notes from one to 10. And every time I would be like, okay, this is question one, this is question two. It was like very structured and very unnatural. And I was interviewing uh, Julissa. She's an actress on Hunters on Amazon Prime, uh, another good friend of mine. And she's so good because she's also an interviewer. So she was able to like just run with it. But I, after that interview, just put the blanket over my head and just sat on my couch. And I'm like, I feel, I, you know, it's like that nervous energy. And I'm like, I feel so stupid because I... I know I can interview people. I do it all the time. But to do it on a platform where anyone and any everyone can see you is so... And it's non-editable. And once it's out, it's, it's and out. It's live, and you hyped right? it up and everybody's tuning in. Yeah, and I hyped it up a lot. So that's one thing I learned is like you really do got to be more of your own hype man. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, I think I just like reconnected, connected with a lot of people. A lot of, lot of DMs of people being like, hey, can I go on Porn 10, you know? which I never expected. So it was, and I kept calling it, like I said, a flash IG live series. Like I said, it was just going to be like just for a limited time. Let's see if it takes off. Let's see if it doesn't. And I'm like, what happens when quarantine ends? Should I change the name? You know, so there's all those thoughts. But for me, I've definitely learned and grew a lot from it. And I, I think the best feedback I've gotten is I've introduced other people to people, you know, stuff like that. So that's been really um, rewarding. I know I talked a lot, but I think there's a lot of questions I was trying to answer. No, I did. I know I like just shot them at you, but that's, yeah, that's, that's such a great, uh, I think use of time during this. And especially because everyone's kind of having to rethink anybody that's on social media or uses it or as an influencer has had to rethink how they're using this platform and how they're going to continue to connect with people during quarantine and during the shutdown. Cause we don't know how long it's going to last. Like we started, I st- we started the quarantine series thinking it'll be like a couple of months and now look at us, you know, and it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime I know, soon. We've stopped so. even saying like, this is podcast quarantine series episode yeah. number or whatever. Like, this is just a new normal. Is that why you guys brought it back from from Dementalist? Well, yeah. I think we just had a lot more time on our hands. We really did. I mean, like, I, Mahek and I had always been like, we should we should start this up again. We should do it again. And then this, we are just like, like it wasn't right, a conscious really effort to stop recording, right? Like, yeah. things just happened. Life just happened. Life happened, And right. then, like, I think and we then life recorded one or two episodes, and then In we between. just didn't post it. And then, exactly, then it happened. Right. And all credit to Fiza for really hustling and, like, keeping me in check and making sure. Because at one point, she was like, I'm going to do this with or without you, so if you'd like to join, most welcome. And I was like, don't leave me behind, please. <laughs> I think for I'm me, here, it was just I'm like... Here, I'm here. I'm slowly turning into my mom. I was telling this to a friend of mine. I was like, I'm slowly turning into my mom where if I am not doing something at any given moment, I will die. Like, it's just, I have to stay at idle hands. Like, absolutely have to stay busy Love that. all the time. <laughs> or else I'm not getting anything done. Like, if I don't have 50 things on my to-do list, then there, uh, nothing's happening. So I was just like, all right, we ha- I have time. I have, like, all the evening to myself. And, like, there's only so much Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO that I can watch mm-hmm. without my eyes falling out of my head. Let's, let's start this up. And there was so much – and I feel like there was such rich content, especially exactly. – our focus in the beginning was COVID, and then BLM happened, and then the – like, all – like I think oh. the whole purpose of us starting this back in 2015 was just there was all these conversations that Faiza and I were having, and we didn't feel like – the media was portraying them or we didn't hear it or see it in like social media or in podcasts or in shows or whatever. 
Um, and so especially with COVID now and with the protests and now with like the elections coming up again, we're going to be having those same kinds of conversations. So it's a perfect time for us to launch this and have those conversations recorded. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would be such a loss for people like to look back at all this time they had while they're quarantined and they didn't, you know, use that energy towards something. So I hope, you know, that is what the general, you know, feeling is with people. But I knew that there's always that, I mean, when you live in New York, when you live other places, when you're moving around, I felt like a gypsy after a while. It's like the, the biggest excuse I always had is I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And now I have time. So I'm like, do not say you didn't have time, you know, do it now, whatever that is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of what it was. It was just like, all right, we're going to have this time. I want to be able to say I did something with it. Yeah, for like, sure. Besides <laughs> being depressed and like barely just mad dessert yeah people are going to benefit or gain some knowledge from it right so that's that's always the hope yeah so that's that's kind of my idea when I started the live. It was a sneaky Shema. How did you turn this into an interview about us? What just happened? Pro, pro, you turned it around on us. All right, let's get this shit back on track because you did mention. You mentioned like obviously having to change your your game or your approach to social media. And as a beauty reporter who's like in this space and has a unique vantage point about on a beauty influencer game, like how do you think COVID, um, the shutdown, all of that has changed the influencer landscape? The influencer landscape, I think they had to really get back to well, are you talking about beauty specifically or influencers yeah I think yeah beauty specifically because it's such a it is such a niche and there is such a there's an aesthetic that people are looking for when it comes to beauty influencers so like when you have but like part of their brand is you know we're happy everything is good like my life is perfect my skin is perfect my hair is perfect and even on my off days here's this one pimple that comes on my face you know what I mean so COVID is not any of those things yeah, I mean, at least not for me. I think it's a loaded question in so many ways because COVID happened with the backdrop of BLM. COVID happened with the backdrop of honestly TikTok taking off, where like people who have influence changed. Uh, and COVID happened in the backdrop of all these like scandals almost coming to light in the beauty industry, right? So, in terms of like beauty, I felt like it wasn't enough just to post a pretty picture you had to be able to really say something or like have a personality when it came to like trying to connect with people, because I feel like people wanted to wanted more like, and the thing about beauty that's so interesting to me, and I, I, I will always have a passion for beauty products because of this. It's just, it's not just what lipstick you use. It's not just this product you use. It's what it's, story it says about you right like I feel like people take it so personally right now because it's an extension of their identity so I think that is being reflected a lot more in the conversations of beauty it's no longer like you can just pander to a a minority by creating x amount of shades it's like you really need to show that you have a point of view within behind your doors because people are taking that into account people are exposing people like this is not just a fun like space anymore if that makes sense and I think for the better in a in a way it's not all negative it's it is really like if the beauty industry really wants to get to the people and and uplift them and empower them then show that they're for them you know so I think in COVID was really interesting because I feel like in the backdrop of all these things happening brands I feel like they were kind of confused of where their needle was you know, and yeah. I, I don't know if that reflected being on my point of view where I'm helping to create campaigns for brands. Right. I really felt this idea of like brands are either trying to re uh, brand themselves image wise or they're trying to understand who they're catering to now that they realize our customers are not just X, Y, Z or we're going to lose X, Y, Z customers. But are we really understanding what they want? There is a really um just a funny story that it reminded me of. There's a really well-known brand and uh, they came to account for not having enough, uh, coming out with this new amazing line that people were really excited about. This was years ago. And uh, everyone was excited about it, right? Because they had one of the like best selling like 
concealers. And when they came out with this line, everyone was pissed because they were just like, well, name really? names, shy. Five people listen to You're this podcast. So <laughs> very diplomatic. Yeah, because I'm still in We're there. all about the tea. <laughs> I might have to create a campaign for them one day. Um, there's too much tea that I know. I think I told you guys this before. But anyway, the, the point is, like, they were doing this big, splashy launch, and they came out, and, and they're... Um, and the thing is, honestly, if you know anything about beauty, you probably know which brand it is. Um, but they didn't have any shades. They didn't have any representation. And people expected so much more because they're a big brand. But my the story that I heard from one of the editors that actually worked there uh, was... The CEO brought her in her office and she's like, why are people mad? I don't get it. You know, she didn't even understand. So, and this was years ago. This was like maybe five, no, four years ago or something like that. So I'm just like, if people aren't hiring people to really get the point of view of like all the people that they think they represent, then they can't create a product for them. So that's so interesting you say that, and especially so interesting given the role that you're in now, where, like you said, you're creating campaigns for brands. How do you feel about it being not, I don't know if scripted is the right word, right? But does it mean anything if a brand is changing their marketing or changing their product offering because that's what people want them to do versus because that's the right thing? And maybe maybe a brand isn't the right example here, right? But I'm thinking about like social media influencers who may change their social media approach to not seem like the only D-bag who's not posting about Black Lives Matter or to see, you know, to seem more relatable, like, oh yeah, I'm depressed because of COVID too. We talk a lot on this podcast about performative activism and just kind of for lack of a better term, fronting for the purpose of social media, right? So some could argue it's better than nothing, but is it if it's not genuine? And being somebody in your position, you probably see this a lot, right? Like who people are online versus who they are in person. And I'm sure a lot of times it doesn't jive, it doesn't mesh, it's not a realistic portrayal. So I don't know. It's frustrating for me, honestly, um, because... It feels, it's frustrating on one hand, but it is also like, no one can be like 100% perfect, right? And when you're putting yourself out there uh, as a brand, as an influencer, as everything, um, you have to understand that like, no matter what, even if you have 10 followers, you have a million followers, I always say this, you have a voice, right? So you have a platform. And when you have obviously a larger platform, there are a lot more people that look at you as a role model. And I think that once you reach that point, you do have to try to educate yourself on what's happening because a lot of people are looking at you for whatever they look at you throughout their day for comfort, for laughs, for whatever it is they're looking for. And I feel like your voice actually does matter to them, right? So like, it's okay that they might not have posted anything and they don't know anything if they're actually trying to learn now. If Because I feel like with, for example, with BLM, even I was like introspectively like, you know, I feel like I've always tried to bring more of the brown voice, but I'm like, did I put enough of the black voice in, in my stories? You know, we actually, the funny thing is, I remember we had a conversation at my job because, uh, you know, part of my job is hiring the writers to write, you know, our content. And um, we had a conversation before BLM, like, we don't have enough women of color that are writing. We, we, we talked about it and we got so busy, busy, right? We didn't, we didn't prioritize it. And then, of course, when BLM came, we're like, we really need these with these women. And it sucks to feel that way, like a scramble for getting more voices because we, we identified a problem and we didn't act fast enough in a sense, right? And, you know, I felt ashamed about that because I we had that conversation. We even identified like, hey, we need more women who are from this background and that background because we have stories coming in and I feel like they're, they sh- there should be different voices writing it, you know? So I think that it sucks because it's hard to tell who is performative and who is actually coming from a genuine place. But I do think that, you know, initiatives like, you know, pull up or shut up that, uh, Sharon from Omo, Omo beauty. Um, she's a Nigerian I believe she's not from Nigeria. She owns a beauty, uh, brand and she came with Jackie Aina and all these su- supporters to be like, Hey, talk numbers, tell us who is, behind those doors. Don't just say you're for it, be about it. And maybe if today you don't have like representation within your company, that's fine, but we're going to check in a year from now 
And if you still didn't do anything, you're can't like in a sense canceled, right? Because so that, true. It's so true. Excuse. You have to give people room to grow, but you have to be able to like show hold them, them, hold them to it. Yeah. I mean, Faiza and I have talked so much about like the most difficult part or one of the most difficult parts of the movement is coming to terms with what kind of allies we are in reality versus the allies that we thought we were, right? So like you said, you've been focusing so much on the brown voice. Have you inadvertently been leaving out other uh, voices that should be part of the conversation too? Um, And saying, absolutely, yes, you have to give people the chance, but that chance can't go on forever, right? Like you can't, there has to be action taken at some point. Yeah, and and, you know, as sad and as terrible and tragic as all the things that have happened are, and it, it's so beyond, but if it causes people to take a second look at everything they're doing and what they believed and, and have them like kind of step back, then that movement wasn't in vain, you know? So that's a, like, I guess good thing that came out of certain things, but it sucked that it had to come to that point for us to like really understand privilege you know okay so let's name some positive names um who are some of the brands that you think don't have it perfect yet but are making genuine steps strides and let's broaden that it doesn't have to just be a brand it could be an influencer um you know who are the people that you think are like getting it who see what happened realize their own flaws or imperfections that are contributing to the issue and are making genuine moves to make it right it's so it's such an interesting question because i have noticed friends being more conscious of it and me too people i would have never expected to like (laughs) me every day it's wild i can't think of brands that i'm like wow they really did it right honestly it might be because it's too short of a time to show real genuine change and to believe that change because everything seems uh, like a little forced right now. Uh, but I, I I do think that there are certain brands like Ulta Beauty and just the conversations we've, we've had internally, I think they're really trying to be more diverse in the way they represent in a, in a more like real way. I feel that way. Um, and I'm hoping that just carries on with like bigger corporations. I, I hope, you know, um, I can't think of their numbers right now. Like there were shocking numbers with the pull up or shut up um, campaign movement. I don't know if you guys saw that. There's like that whole Instagram dedicated to beauty companies showing numbers of diversity on their executive level and their workforce. And that was really shocking because there were, you know, brands you would think that would have more representation that didn't, you know, and that, that was, it was just disheartening all around, honestly. And I can name a lot on the other end, but I, I don't want to. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like the ones that, that have Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't but, make you. But as someone who works for a, a big beauty corporation, I've seen internally the like, and we were, and, and, and it, it goes back to your point. Like you mentioned, these are issues that were identified before BLM, before quarantine. Like there is a, a lack of representation in the space. Um, but there wasn't much done about it. And so once the protest started, our company, um, we saw a lot of brands that we own get a ton of backlash for virtue signaling. They put up the black square or they'd say, oh, we're in support of, of black, you know, Black Lives Matter. But then people would call them out and be like, you have no representation in your campaigns. You have a very limited rate. Uh, uh, shade of uh, range of shades like how can you say you're in support of this or that you you believe in this when you don't incorporate it into your business ethos and don't just talk and about it be about it right and and that was the thing is just like you know for the company that I work and I work on the corporate level we thankfully do take it pretty seriously we have a long ways to go don't look up my LinkedIn we have a long ways to go but there is a concerted effort internally to like make sure that the changes that we're going to make, and I'm like, ah, shit. Um, but the changes that we're now, which should have been instituted a while ago, are now, um, we're really trying to make it 
of long lasting. And I think that's the thing that I, uh, one of my, part of my job is, is making sure that the, the changes that we make are long lasting. This isn't just in response. It's not because it's en vogue right now and people are looking at us and we're scrutinized. It's something that needs to continue to happen um, because that's what got us in trouble in the first place. Everybody knows that these were issues. And look, the reality is a complete overhaul is not going to be sustainable for every company. So if a small step is going to be something that's really going to become part of your company's fabric, then that's the move. Like um, there's that hadith, I think, uh, in Islam that says the most beloved act to God is the one that's consistent, right? So that doesn't mean that you go from not praying at all to five times a day and you do it for one week and then you're burnt out. But if it's, you know, one small act of charity that you can do every day for the rest of your life, that's more, more better. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. (laughs) That's more better. It really is. And I think that's what people are looking for, right? Nobody's looking for like, all right, now your entire board is going to be women of color or all your models are hundred overnight. It's yeah. about consistency and longevity, that this is something that you actually take seriously and it's not just because you've been called out and your numbers suck right. and like Estee Laundry put you up on their Instagram account, you know, and called you out for that shit. But that's the thing is just like it needs to be consistent and it needs to be a real commitment to change rather than yeah. just like... And oh, that shows the authenticity and the genuineness mm-hmm. behind it as well. Yeah. There are some there are some influencers that I really truly enjoy watching, and I feel like they didn't really speak up for BLM or anything big happening in the world. And I I remember thinking, name names. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm you know what? Really. I'm just hoping that I like will actually come out with something that is really huge, and then someone will like go into the files and see this and be like, she said this. And I'm like, oh, so that's that's a really interesting point you brought up, and something we wanted to ask you was has you know, definitely for me, people's responses or lack of responses or ignorant comments has very much curated my feed Mm -hmm. over the past few months. Mm -hmm. As somebody who's in this industry from the journalistic editorial perspective, Mm -hmm. has that been the case for you with both brands and people? Do you have the luxury of kind of, because I know to some extent you have to be involved, you have to be kind of kept abreast of what's going on but so do you have the ability to kind of distance yourself and say this person's oh yeah not interesting to me anymore this brand is just not something I want to yeah absolutely I mean if I know that there's something that x person did that was really off-putting or not you know I won't I won't hire them or like not just me but like we would have a conversation about it at work and I'd be like I don't think they're right for this campaign I feel like now I'm at a point where like and I think I'm I'm with I work with amazing women who are very like about it, you know, like they, they really, they will respect that opinion. And, and I do the same for them. Um, I completely, di- I, I won't support it. And, and maybe I won't be like super vocal about that because I, like I said, I'm in the intersection of so many things where I'm literally creating campaigns for a bigger company. It's not my, my company or anything like that. I have to be a, like, I have to carry myself in a certain way. Right. And to me, I'm, because I'm in this weird space of like, yes, maybe certain people are consider me uh, like this micro influencer or whatever you want to call it. But then I don't look, I look at myself as a journalist. I'm very careful about the way I carry myself because I don't want to be mixed up in a lot of the drama, even though I could very easily with what I, I feel like I know could make it things a big deal. But I just feel like that's not my job. My job is to tell people stories first and foremost. And if their story is something that I don't jive with, I, I don't have to report on it, you know, and I don't. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel like a little bit of autonomy in terms of, like, keeping that in the back of my head and, and acting in a certain way because of that. But I don't sit there and tell you all the tea about all that stuff because I just don't feel like that's what my channel is. No, but I think that's awesome. I think it's great that you have that ability to not amplify voices that you don't feel should be amplified. Yeah, there are certain influencers I've taken off the list, <laughs> you know, for, for work and whatnot because it's just not worth working with them. You, you can I, text us that list later. Yeah. <laughs> well, have, you should have, like, an after-dark version of this. <laughs> I know. The, the fundamentalist tell-all. Yeah. 
But what do you think it is about the influencer, the beauty influencer um, landscape that lends itself to so much drama? Like, I feel like I'm on BuzzFeed, there are at least four to five articles every day about some beauty influencer calling out another mm-hmm. beauty influencer or somebody saying the N-word or like, you know, they found like pictures or video from years ago of them being like super racist. Like, what is it about this community? Like, Why do you care? Well, why do people care about the Kardashians, right? Like, why do they care what they're doing? And I think influencers in a weird way became this like celebrity on steroids with social media of that same level of like people actually who follow them actually care what they're doing. And so if there's no drama, people aren't talking about them. If people aren't talking about them, people are probably not following them. They are forgotten or they came out with a product and they wanted to sell and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's crazy because those things sell when these drama episodes happen. And it is a competition at the end of the day because we all have the same livelihood, whether it's products or you know followers or whatever. So that's what I think as someone who considers myself an outsider in a sense, after observing a lot of influencers, like competitive landscape or the competition and the, the burden they put on themselves, it is a huge competition, you know? So okay. I think, yeah. Serious question. In light of that last sentence of yours, do you think any influencer can truly represent and present their most authentic selves on social media? Or do you think it's impossible because of all of these factors, the competition, the like need for the likes, the need for, you know, the, um, just the stats and how they drive their income and how they drive their deals and all of that. I think it's rare. I don't think it's impossible. Like there, there are some influencers I truly respect because to me, from my point of view, they've been the same from when I, when they were really not nothing or not much on Snapchat and, and to where they are like Jackie Aina. If you know her, she's like a Nigerian American. Uh, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And she was in the military and she came out with a candle company and, I just respect her a lot um, because I feel like she's the same person I used to watch on Snapchat when I first wrote a story about her in Allure to what I see today. And I don't see that for a lot of influencers. Obviously, she's made a t- she has a ton more followers. She makes a lot more money, probably, you know, not probably, definitely. And I think that certain things have, about her life, I'm sure, have changed. But I think the what I feel like what I get when I go to her channel is still the same. Um, so she's in the very, like, small category because she's huge but a lot of micro influencers I feel like it's easier to keep it real when you're on that level because you're not thinking about all the endorsements and the long-term effects of what you do today and and whatnot and stuff like that I yeah I want to be optimistic and hope that I think with everything going on things are moving towards a more real honest raw thing because people are just tired of the filters and tired of like just seeing one point of view um so the optimistic part of me feels that way and just with my own interactions with people and what they tell me resonates with them is always so surprising to me and it's always the moments the life stories the the whatever you know not just like oh that cute picture of you let's keep the optimistic vibe going (laughs) in an ideal world what does the perfect perfectly inclusive beauty brand look like to you it would Kind of what I said before, it would definitely be made comprised of itself in terms of a company of people who represent the views of of the people they're catering to. Um, And they would not think of, if it's makeup, they won't just think of shade range as a number, but as things that really work for different tones. You know what I mean? Like, so don't have 50 shades if one is going to be orange, you know, don't like no one's orange, maybe one person's orange, but like there's not a lot of them. And so I think that you have to really understand the needs and be someone who consumes it and not just is trying to make products of what they think people will like. Um, inclusivity, I feel like is, is not just the product anymore. It's the community you're building of the people who use that product. Because like I think I said, I don't think beauty products are just beauty products anymore. They're actually representing what you believe. And that's why I think this cancel culture is so much bigger now because I feel like what you use says something about you, right? Like what, you know, there's a lot of people who have canceled brands because they're like, I don't stand for what you did this time, you know? So I think it, it really has to be about that community too. 
Yeah, I think that's, I, I definitely, I've always been pretty intentional about my social media consumption because um, I know that it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope and mm-hmm. you can, you know, you're seeing everybody's highlights and everybody looks amazing. And so I, I've, a couple of years ago, just like went through my feed and took out all of these influencers who I look at them and then I feel bad about myself. Like, why am I not traveling enough? Or why am I not, you know, like, why is my skin not perfect? Uh, And now it's like taken a turn where I'm much more conscious about like, what have they done recently? Like, did they, if they put up the black square, what have they done since then? Like, have they promoted like black owned beauty businesses? Do they make sure that they're um, calling out companies that they believe don't um, are in like responding appropriately, things like that. And I think people, more and more people are doing that, and you see it so much more. Where you look in the comment section of any given brand or any given influencer, and people are taking notice. Well, I have a question in terms of you guys as like people who are consumers of skincare or beauty. Um, what have you guys ever not purchased? A product or from a brand after learning something or has what's been going on kind of changed the way you shop at all? Anthropology, I stopped buying from when um, their racial, uh, racist uh, hiring practices and racist undertones and like the culture of their stores came to light. And I still actually have $250 worth of credit at Anthropology, so I'm pretty salty about it. Um, but I wonder if I can like sell it on eBay or something. Yeah. But I was going to say like you... Oh, yeah, you're right. You just don't want their stuff. Yeah. Because, like, well, I guess like, gift card is what I mean. I high key still want their furniture, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I just don't feel right about spending. But also, they don't have any pieces of furniture for less than $250. So I would have to put something out right. of pocket. I mean, I have like a Huda Beauty palette that I got when I first went there, and I just have it. But I'm like, I'm never going to give the company money, but I have it, you know? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Wait, we're recording story. right now. <laughs> I mean, that's fine to say. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Uh, I think, okay. So for me, I guess it's not a beauty brand. (laughs) I'm thinking like places where I'm like, like Chick-fil-A I won't go to because of their whole like stance on uh, gay marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And so certain or like Urban Outfitters, I stopped uh, shopping there because they had donated to the Rick Santorum Mm -hmm. campaign because they're like a PA-based uh, company and they donated to his campaign and he was just like a virulent just fucking misogynist homophobe asshole um, so there are de- my, yeah my thing is definitely like political leanings and I'll look into that and if I find out information then I'll stop isn't it great when like brands that you don't really care about though so you find out something about them and you're like yeah I don't really care about them anyway but I think yeah. when they, I don't know if this was true or not but Wendy's they were saying something like oh they like donated a bunch of Trump and I was just like I don't really care about Wendy's anyway, but that's good to know. <laughs> I just found out that Home Depot donated a ton to Trump, and all of these companies. That's where all of like companies. my husband does most of his contractor stuff, so we're we're working on it. Yeah. Um, I think with brands, the ones that I have a really hard time with, though, are the ones that um, don't have sustainable production practices. Mm-hmm. which seemed like it started off where it was like, okay, Zara and Gap and Nike and whatever. But now it seems like every single brand, it's coming to light that they have these awful production practices in China or whatever. And it's like, it's like where do you draw the line? I don't know how to sew. So what do That's I Because Because part of me is like, do I really need to buy any more new clothes? Because I feel like everyone donated their stuff in quarantine, right? <laughs> There's a lot, like, Goodwill isn't even taking clothes anymore. I tried to drop stuff off. They're like, no, we're, we're, we're swamped. Nope. And I'm just like, man, I feel like I should go to these places. So can I give you a pro tip? Not Goodwill. When I was moving, <laughs> no, not Goodwill. When I was moving, um, I was like, I, I don't fit into any of my clothes. Thanks mm-hmm. to two kids. <laughs> B, I don't like any of my clothes. Thanks to like just hormonal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and C, I just have way too many clothes and I didn't want to pack them. So I use ThreadUp and it's like the easiest thing. They send you bags, they send you gigantic bags and you fill them up, you send them back, whatever sells, they you basically give it to them on consignment, whatever sells, you get the money for it. And whatever doesn't sell, you can either have them send it back to you or you can have them sustainably upcycle the clothes. Mm. So... 
Oh, I didn't know that because I've been looking at ThreadUp. It's but so I haven't actually bought anything. Easy, Fiza. It is. I, I literally that. sent them like five bags of stuff. I sold probably between forty and fifty items. I made like maybe one hundred and fifty dollars. Nothing crazy, but for me, it was just like I'm gonna get rid of this stuff anyway. If I even make a dollar out of it, that's fine. But I just I love the idea that they sustainably upcycle. Yeah. The clothes. So I honestly think the biggest lesson I learned from moving so much is that I just have too much stuff. And for me, like obviously beauty is one thing I'm really, really working on because I feel like I still have not as much as allure. Well it's hard more. because people send oh, you the stuff, well, right? It's not even stuff that you purchase. Now I'm telling them not. Like I tell a lot of brands, please don't send me. Or like even like I feel bad, but like some small brands that want to send me their skincare, I'm like, I take two to three weeks to test skincare. Even it's just there's too much stuff and I, I start telling them like listen I really want to try your stuff I just don't want it to be sitting on a shelf and collecting mm-hmm. dust please like I'll let you know when I'm you know I just tell them don't mm-hmm. set it and you know I did get some responses being like I really appreciate that like I appreciate yeah, the yeah that is really nice of you and before I used to feel bad and be like yeah sure send it and then I feel bad when they follow up but like I know I have one face I have one body I have only so many friends and family that can take bags of stuff it's still the same but. I'm trying to, my husband will probably disagree and say I have too much stuff, but he has no idea what I came from, <laughs> like how bad it was. I saw your update on like all of this, like you trying to clean all of it out and it's, it's a, I mean, you, but it's your job too. It it's is. not like you're just hoarding but stuff. That's why that part I'm working on, I still am a little bit more conscious because sometimes brands just send stuff, which is, you know, nice perk of the job but sometimes it is like a little space issue but with clothes that's something I could actually control because I don't get a ton of like that stuff sent to me I make sure so there was a really cool tip I think Bustle actually posted it where they said whenever you use um so put all your hangers in one direction and whenever you use uh um, turn it the other way turn it the other way and I started doing that to see how much what I actually wear in a month and then accordingly get rid of the stuff that I don't use and I think that in general I'm just giving away donating 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 and and I keep thinking I'm like I am giving away such nice clothes I'm sure people are donating nice clothes maybe I should just thrift you know and really I mean there's no reason for me to buy new stuff and especially with quarantine when we're not even going out um who knows if I did that right now I'd have three shirts and like one pair of pants that are ripped (laughs) (laughs) like that's all I have left you know it's funny because I feel like I change three times a day so I'm first in my PJs and I do the first hour of work and then it's my first meeting. So I throw on a shirt. Then I have to get the mail. So I throw on some pants and then I come back and then I have another meeting and, and then, you know, like I'll, I'll be in the same situation. Then I'll go to the gym and then come back. And so I about, I, I feel like even today I changed like four or five times. So <laughs> I'm changing a lot more during the day, but not wearing like so many nice outfits, I guess. It depends. If I have a meeting with the same people, I'll change my shirt. Yeah the next day but if not oh yeah yeah that's true wear the same shirt because I literally only put it on for meetings otherwise I'm in like workout clothes or just like a or like a pajama t-shirt that I didn't sleep I'm hella rethinking all my purchases I'm like do I need that I don't know like I'm mostly it's time it's no but yeah I'm trying to adopt that minimalist life I'm not that close yet but I'm I think I'm 2020 that's what 2020 quarantine's done to me it's so hard. The minimal life is so hard. Like I see the Pinterest boards with literally five shirts, two pairs of pants. And I can't imagine how somebody, I just like the idea of having options, even if I don't touch them. Um, we like to end our, wait, no, I'm not ready to end with you. Give me your top three. Holy grails. Oh, yes. It can be makeup. It can be skincare. It can be perfume. Okay. So uh, skincare, I'll start with that because that's been my favorite recently. I It's really hard for me to, we just talked about it, it's really hard for me to pick a product, um, but I love Tula's line. I think if I had to pick a product, it would be their 24-7 moisture, moisturizer. Okay. It's just a Don't good, mind if I do. first of all, it's a clean brand. How do you spell it? T-U-L-A? T-U-L-A. Um, okay. The clean brand, brown oak. On it. Um, very good. All the I love their cleanser. I love their moisturizer. I love their whole line. Honestly, my skin was doing really great when I was using their line. And then I I think I started using other stuff and it's like gets fucked up again. But I really like Tula. Um, makeup. I'm trying to think what I use a lot recently. I'm very into just 
Um, I was going to say mascara. And the one that I want to say. I was literally just about to say that. I was like, what mascara do you use? Because I feel like your eyelashes are always on point, whether you're wearing falsies or not. They look so good. Why can't I think of what I'm wearing? Because there's one that I I started wearing very, it's very natural, but it hasn't come out yet. So I can't, it's very, it's like embargoed. So I can't talk about it. I will talk about it on my channel when it is. Um, But the one that I really like, oh my God. I got layers to the T. I know. Damn, Shayma. You're going to have to edit this part for this this space. Can I kind of come back to this? Because I have to really. Yeah, Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I know. Uh, Thrive Mascara, I really, really love. They're okay. Thrive. Okay. I've seen them around. Yeah. yeah. Their okay. mascara is, is really, really good. Um, and I, I use theirs a lot. And they're another brand that I think for every product you buy, they donate one to a cancer patient. Um, so they're okay. mission. That's why it's called Thrive because they're for a cause. Um, that one is really, really good. And then eyeshadow. My holy grail eyeshadow and i don't wear a lot of eyeshadow so i love this because it's very natural colors is elsie cosmetics the minimalist and it only has like five shades but they're five really warm usable shades that i feel like whenever i need something i'll just throw on their their brown or you know if i want a smoky eye you could have all the colors for a smoky eye so good so pigmented you can use a black as a liner and it's just you know and i love the woman who came out with it so those would be my three. Perfect. I love it. Perfect. Um, we like to end our episodes on a bit of a high note. And I will say, I think this is probably the first episode in a, a legit while. No, since we started yeah, this. That yeah. That actually hasn't been super this. depressing. So thank you, Shai, for being a ray of sunshine in our morbid, <laughs> on our morbid show. Um, we like to just end with you know, something you've learned, hopefully something positive, you know, sometimes not so positive, but what has, what have you learned in the past few months um, as a result of quarantine, as a result of the BLM protests, as a result of being shaded by the beauty or jaded and shaded by the beauty industry? Um, yeah. I feel like I have much more of a understanding of myself. Um just in the times I spent alone, just thinking about what I want out of my life. You know, I think quarantine has been a really great pause. I think I feel more confident about what I can offer people. I don't think that I felt I was so much more in that position, but now I feel like my purpose has always been to tell people stories in whichever way I can. And I feel like even just doing an IG live in that sense has made me feel like I could do that in some part of the way. And just relationships, I just think of it as completely different. Not just, like, partner relationship, but just your relationship with your friends when you can't see them anymore. Like, what does it mean? What has it always meant? I think that it's been a good reflection of keeping in touch and how much more we need to connect and not just a virtual, I mean, obviously it's going to be a virtual way, but, like, not just, like, a text message, like, actually hearing voices and reconnecting with, with that. It's very grounding, been a really grounding time, I would say. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, what about Isa? <laughs> um, I was thinking because I feel like the last few episodes, mine's been the super same. Debbie Downer. So, and it's yeah, pretty much super like <laughs> depressing. Um, I think mine is um how much I can do with so little. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, the most productive in a weird way. Like I'm, I'm like actually pursuing all these passion projects, right? Like the, the podcast and I finished the first draft of, of a book that I've been writing for like the past 12 years. And like, that's in a really good place. And, um, I think yeah, you so and I, I had I, just met when you started that, or like you were thinking about yeah. it. was like, I think within a year of us meeting, you had started that, which is crazy. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, it's been like 10 years where I, fi- I finally found the time, like dedicated the time to finishing it. So um, just re- like appreciating the fact that I didn't do what I thought I would do in a, in a time like this, which is like completely retreat and shut become down. like a crazy recluse mm-hmm. introvert and shut down and mm-hmm. be non-functioning and actually like surprising myself how much I'm actually able to get done um, that's meaningful to me. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Um, for me, I'm going to kind of echo something that Shai said early in the podcast. You were talking about when quarantine started, you started thinking about like, what is it that you like to do? What is it that you're good at when it comes to your space in the beauty world? And not in the beauty world for me, but I have two kids under the age of two. Well, my daughter just turned two, two weeks ago, but saying two under two is easier than saying two under two in a month. Um, and it's, it's hard, right? And it's a narrative, you know, this is going to turn into a whole other episode. It's not a narrative you hear often um, because motherhood is filled with so many beautiful moments and joyous moments. And it's such, not even a blessing, but it feels like an honor that you are the one who's been entrusted with these kids. But there's also a lot of really, really, really shitty, really hard aspects to it. And you feel like you're drowning, right? And you feel like you lose yourself. So I feel like in these past couple months, now that I'm emerging from the postpartum haze of having my son, um, not even months, I'd say literally in the past month, I finally feel like I'm kind of getting back to who I am and trying to like find my center and my identity and things about me that I was always so proud of, um, yeah, you were a mess when we started yeah, this course. Yeah, still, still borderline am. Still borderline am. Thank God this is not video and just audio. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. So many questions about motherhood and all that stuff. I really, you guys should do a whole mother. Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll give you all yeah. the non-PC answers possible. None of the butterflies oh, and I love it. fluff. Yeah, I'm very interested in like that next life, but I think that's. Yeah, it's crazy what you guys do. Even now when I think about, like, just being me in my day and, like, how it's so centered around me and my husband, I'm just like, God, I can't even imagine how much it changes when you're a mom because it's not- It's wild, but, you know, Shai, like, humans are so adaptable, right? Think about even quarantine. If somebody had told you a year ago that, hey, a year from now you're not going to go outside and when you do go outside your face is going to – like, we would have never believed it, nor would we have ever imagined that we could do it. But here we are almost six months in, you know, not going to restaurants, not seeing family. It's Mm-hmm. Humans are adaptable. We really underestimate ourselves. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh my, look how positive I am. I know. Oh I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that reminded me of something really quick. I know we're taking a little bit of a turn, but like when you're talking about what your what you know, not what your mom said, but what my mom said to this effect. One time, I was like, "Mom, I don't know how you had five kids. Like that is crazy to me. Like, were you scared? Like, how did you do it? I think I just had a freak out moment. This was like years ago. She's like, Shema." People have been having kids for like centuries. Get over it. <laughs> it's so true. It's so yeah. true. You just do it. And like with do it. like 1% of the luxuries that we have, right? Like right. all these new knickknacks and technology and ultrasounds. Like nobody had that. You found out what you were having if you delivered a living baby. That was right. it. Yeah. But it was- and if you were alive, right? Right. Yeah, like kind of it relates to that idea of like humans are adaptable and all stuff. And the way she made it sound and the way she said it was like, "You're so right." Like it's just you know the way we were created in this beautiful way, and like if we are blessed to have kids and all that stuff. Or you know, I know people go through like so many things with all this stuff. So I just feel like it was interesting when you said that. It just reminded me of what my mom said. <laughs> yeah, I think Here it's I just, am like your resident a auntie. Great- here to give you here to give you all that auntie advice antiquing tips follow Mahek's instagram oh my god i'm on all her great antiquing i'm on fire um somebody responded this is so like unprofessional of me but somebody responded to the picture i posted of the antique plate which i was like super proud of we got a set of 24 dinner plates and 19 salad plates that used to belong to the huxley family the huxley like brave new world family yes right okay and i didn't want to stunt too much so i didn't put that piece of information on instagram but she responded being like china and gold are overrated first of all i asked you Secondly, when they come from the Huxley family, no, they not. You don't question. Yeah, no, they not overrated. No. Anyway, 
show. That's that's how you know you made it. You got haters. You got haters on your gram. I do. I do. Shamba, go ahead. Plug your plug your socials. Where can people watch Quarantine? You can find me at Beauty the Letter N D Feast. It's supposed to sound like Beauty and the Feast, not Beauty and Feast, but whatever works. Um, I am there. You can find me there. Send me a message. Let's be friends. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Mahek, where can people find uh, the Huxley's China? No, I'm not China. posting anymore because y'all hate too much. <laughs> Uh, at to me on Instagram at Nisi on Twitter. Um, I'm at the Cold Shoulder Cat on the gram, and I'm at Cold Shoulder Cat on Twitter. And we are still um, at the Fundamentalists Fend- on Instagram. Shout out to our amazing social media managers who are like half our age, but triple our age in social works. media skills. That's why it works. Sada, my cousin Sada and Nuda, who are really holding it down. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shai, thank you so much for making the time. This was such a yeah. fun conversation. Um, and for our True Blood fans, Shai was last on our show many moons ago, so we'll link that episode as well so you can catch up and see her evolution and ours, although I don't know how much we've evolved, but check it out. I don't think. Yeah, I think that's why this works, because we haven't. <laughs> I love how it's like that for five years of all, like, yawning I'm like oh man I know I know in our PJs ready to sleep the good life like yep all right thank Thank you guys. guys bye bye